0: I wouldn't have written this book if I hadn't fallen in love with my husband Sunil in 2001. i had been working for 15 years in some of the poorest communities in um, the United States. Then in my free time, I was going to India, which housed one third of the world's poor, famously, but, but which was also the second fastest growing economy in the world. And there was, you know, you could see so much obvious change. You had these skyscrapers looking out at other skyscrapers. You had people riding around in Rolls Royces, but I couldn't make out what was happening in historically poor communities. I didn't find books that told me the answers that I was looking for, and I decided eventually, after six years in India, that I would try to write something myself. In the first eight months of my reporting, I. Uh, moved from one slum to another, really trying to get a feel for the different neighborhoods and the cities and their distinctions. Um, but I ended up settling on a community at the airport called Anawadi. And Anawadi was striking. It was, it was surrounded by five luxury hotels and it was like this village had been dropped into the middle of all these elegant modernities and the people in Anawadi have come from all over India. The work in Annawadi is, is almost entirely casual, day jobbing, daily wage work it's called. There are people who work at construction sites, uh, there are people who work as maids, and there are many, many people who make a living collecting and reselling recyclable rubbish. Your old water bottles, your newspapers, um, metal, if they're lucky. Um, and, and what was interesting about the community when I first came was that that even though this was traditionally seen as abject work, people in Anawadi were excited, because it turns out that the, the rubbish business is deeply connected to the global markets, and the construction in, of China in advance of the Beijing's Olympics had lifted the price of their rubbish to an all-time high. It was a place of genuine optimism. And then there was a global recession. And the bottoms fell out of their worlds, and they had to—they uh, had had to reinvent themselves
1: yet again. I read the book uh, about a year and a half ago, I think, and um, I think it's one of the best books I've ever read, really, about Mumbai and about the slums in Mumbai, and there've been a fair number of books. But this one struck me with its meticulous research and its honesty and its lack of sentimentality. You do get a very complex picture of a life in a slum and and how political it is and how even within the slum there are levels of hierarchy and corruption. And that everybody in their own way is double dealing because poverty makes you ingenious. You have to be the quickest thinkers the people that can spot a bargain, the people that know every trick in the book because actually that's how you survive, that's how you live.
0: As a reader I feel tired of stories of low-income people that are two-dimensional, characterizations that are designed to inspire pity or fear. These communities, they don't want your pity and they certainly don't want to be feared. People in low-income communities aren't sitting around wringing their hands and saying, "What was me, they're trying to figure out um, what to do next. And, and that imaginative reinvention is part of what I was trying to um, convey in, in my book and I think um, will be an important part of the play as well. I know what you're doing. You are trying to show off. You are trying to prove that you have money.
1: The main story centres around uh, three different families. But layered on that, you know, it's a huge community. and. Everybody's lives are so braided that what affects one character actually inevitably affects everybody else too. For me, what's really interesting about the book and the play is Catherine explores the question of how is it, how can you be good in such a corrupt world? And you really see that through the character of Abdul, Zerenissa's oldest son, who desperately doesn't want to be part of a world where everything he deals is stolen, everything he deals with is stolen, and that every step up is on somebody else's head. He wants to live a purer life. But he says, I want to be good, but the world won't let me, not the world I live in. And for me, that was quite a revelation to understand that in the book, that there is a real cost to poverty, and it's not just a financial cost, it's a moral and a spiritual cost too. The phrase honor comes up a lot when we're talking about wanting to honor the people we're representing, it seems to be the right word, because they've given permission for their lives to be out there. They gave permission for Catherine to come into their lives and record them. You have to keep reminding yourself, this reads like a cracking good story, but these are real people and these are real events. And it has um, such an impact when you realize what these people lived through and are still living through.
0: Almost every day in my own life, I think of somebody in Anawati applying their imaginations to a problem and and you know figuring out a, a new way to get on with things. And if I you know I I I I, I just respect that
1: yeah, with all my heart.